because he has a severe case of not knowing directions. He thought San Diego was in Orange County, and he thought Paradise, California was in San Diego. Which is kind of confusing, I know. Anyway, if you think I'm being mean, and I should not make fun of people who are directionally challenged, it's probably because you are directionally challenged. <laughs> right? It's funny how uh, some people, you'll tell them, uh, go north for two miles and go east for one mile, take a ride on Heavenly Drive. My address is 777 Heavenly Drive. Right? But some people, you have to tell them, go straight for a while, and when you see a McDonald's with the yellow M sign, you take a right turn, and then you go there for a little bit, okay? And when you see a park with, with a basketball court, with the hoops a little messed up, and with the yellow and red playground, and if you see a church with the blue roof, then you've passed it. You've gone too far, okay? So when you see the park, you take a right turn, and then my house is the one, two, three, four, five, seventh house on your right. Yeah, some people, you need to give that kind of directions. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful day and beautiful people in this beautiful church. Now, Lord, as we open the Bible, open our hearts also. In Jesus' name, amen. I know we live in the, in the age of GPS, so, so things are a lot simpler, correct? GPS guides us through wherever we need to go, and people don't get lost anymore. Am I right? What if we didn't have GPS? For all the young, old people, I mean, when we lived without our GPS and phones, how did we get anywhere? How did we ever meet people? I, I don't even remember how we went everywhere. But without GPS, a lot of us will be lost all the time. Just like that, in our lives, many of us, if we didn't get help, we would get lost. Isn't that true? And the reason why I bring this up is when we look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it speaks of something about this Messiah, okay, who is to come, and what he will do is he will make sure that we would not get lost. That's what today's text is all about. He will guide us and lead us like a counselor. So look at today's, um, today's Bible verse, uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You know you're familiar with this text because we use this text all the time for Christmas. Right? When Christmas season comes, a lot of people preach on this very text. Isaiah shares the promise of a child, but this child is not an ordinary child. Okay? 
He controls the heavenly government. He's mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and today's title, a wonderful counselor. If you think about it, this is the highest authority, the list of highest authority figures of a kingdom, or as Isaiah describes it, a governing body. Each title is a worth a sermon. But today, I would like to focus on the wonderful counselor. Here's a question. Does anyone know the difference between counselor with two L's and counselor with one L? Does anyone know the difference? Well, the difference is it's the L. One has two. The other one has one. But they all mean the same. Okay? They're the same word with the two different spellings. They both refer to the giving and receiving of advice and guidance. The first time I encountered the word encountered the word counseling or counselor was when I was in high school. My uh, Mr. Jimenez, I still remember his name. Mr. Jimenez was my academic counselor, uh, a short man with a beautiful mustache, you know, and, and, and he, advised, he advised me which classes to take so that I could graduate and be prepared for college. When I struggled, he helped me to get through, and when I did well, he encouraged me. As a pastor, I do some counseling too, okay? If it's mental health or emotional health issues, my job is to refer them to a professional. And counseling can really help. If it's a marriage issue, again, my job is to refer them to a professional. And counseling can save marriages. Sorry, my iPad is not working. (laughs) There's some counseling I do. I can do, though. Um, I call my pastoral counseling being lovingly truthful and truthfully loving. You've heard me say that many times, okay? Lovingly truthful and truthfully loving. Everyone needs someone who can tell them the truth. But they need to hear it from someone who loves them no matter what in a loving manner. Right? That's being lovingly truthful. Also, everyone is someone who loves them no matter what, but they need to hear some harsh truth in their lives. Okay? That's being truthfully loving. We all need people who can be lovingly truthful and truthfully loving in our lives. But sometimes in my counseling experience, I realized that in some cases I was too truthful and not loving enough. Or I was loving but not that truthful, not truthful enough. Anyway, the point is I do my part, okay, or or I try. Professional counselors, they do their part. But we have, according to Isaiah, 
Apparently, we have this master counselor, okay, called the wonderful counselor. Do you remember Job's friends? They were good friends. I mean, they came to visit Job because Job was going through a terrible time. Job was probably in fetal position and just, just, just suffering terribly, right? Emotionally and physically. Look at, look at this. Um, Job chapter 2, verses 11 and 13. We have it right here for you. Uh, when Job's three friends, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namanite, heard about all the troubles that had come upon him, they set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. So that was good. Sympathy and comfort, all good, right? Verse 12, when they saw him from distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. That's how they mourned, okay? Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. For how many days? Seven days. No one spoke a word to him. You know how hard that is? Not speaking or not talking for seven days? But they did great for seven days. But after seven days, they opened their mouth and they ruined everything. Pastor Tim Keller uses this example from uh, Joel Bailey, who wrote a book called A View from a Hearse. Okay? He describes two friends who tried to help him when he was going through terrible suffering. Okay, and Joel Bailey writes this. I was sitting, torn by grief, and someone came and talked to me about God's dealings of heaven and hope beyond the grave. He said things I knew were true, but I wished he would go away. And finally he did. Another came and sat beside me. He didn't talk. He didn't ask leading questions. He just sat beside me for an hour or more. He listened when I said something or asked. He answered briefly. He then prayed and simply left. I hated seeing him go. Sometimes people just need you. You know what I mean? Man, we got a lot to say. We got a lot to say. We got a lot of advice, right? Something I am totally guilty of. People don't ask me for advice, but I give them all the time for free. You know what I mean? It's like my, my thing is, if I don't tell them, who will? Right? But sometimes, people just need you, not your advice. Jesus is that kind of counselor. He knows how to help you. 
how to guide you, how to comfort you. He knows exactly what to say, what not to say, just to be there in presence. Sometimes he will let you know, but sometimes he'll just be there for you. He is the wonderful counselor. But there's another instance in the Bible. There was a woman who caught in adultery, okay? They caught her red-handed. They dragged her out on the street, and they brought her before Jesus. But the way Jesus deals with the woman caught in adultery is exceptional. Everyone looked at her with judgment and condemnation. However, Jesus drove away the whole crowd. And Jesus gently said to her, I do not condemn you. Go sin no more. That's it. Don't you think Jesus had a lot to say? Right? I mean, it's like, I don't condemn you, but come on. What were you thinking? What are you doing? How could you do this? Have you no shame? No, none of that. There is only love, mercy, and grace. Jesus offers the perfect advice. I forgive you, but go sin no more. And that's it. He has his infinite wisdom how to counsel each individual in each situation. His understanding and his wisdom are divine. When I was in San Diego, somebody bought me this OG San Diego Padres sweater. Anyone Padres fan here? Nobody. Okay. All right. All right. Where's Matthew, come on, man. Okay. All right. So OG San Diego Padres is like a browning yellow. So I had this hat, okay, this baseball cap. And I had this jacket. I love the jacket because it's so thick and so warm, right? So every time I go to the beach and stuff, when it's cold, I would wear the jacket. When I moved here, when I moved back here to, to uh, Southern California, well, not Southern California, but Inland Empire, but we would go to the beach, um, I would see these Angels fans and Dodgers, Dodger fans. You know, Dodger fans are very obnoxious, right? And they would look at my OG Padres jacket and stare me down. You know what I mean? They're like staring me down like, really? Padres fan? Right? But did you notice something? When you're into something, what you wear really means something. You know what I mean? If you're a, if you're a big Padres fan, then you have like Padres shirt and all day, if you're a big Dodgers fan, you have like Dodgers shirt and their um, jerseys, like they wear it to school. I don't know why they wear it to school, right? But they, they wear it all the time. But it is so true, right? Uh, if you're really into, uh, one of my daughters was really into anime at a certain point, and she would wear anime jacket and anime shirt. You know what I mean? 
Apparently, what we wear really means something because we're really into it. Have you ever seen these people that, like, they're really into golf? So, like, almost every day they, they wear this golf pad and golf shirt and golf pants all the time. It's like, dude, you're not golfing today, but they wear it all the time because they're really into it, right? If you're into K-pop, they wear K-pop stuff. They listen to K-pop all the time. Yes, right there. <laughs> See? Check this out. Kids, if you're into Minecraft, oh my goodness, every chance you get, you want to play Minecraft, Right? If there's a Christmas or birthday comes, you're like, can I get Minecraft stuff? Can I get either Minecraft toys or Minecraft squishes? Or they wear Minecraft shirts? Like if you're into it, you're always thinking about it. You wear it, you listen to it all the time. So Loma in the church, I have a question for you. What are you into? What are you into? Are you into Jesus? What are you allowing in your life that takes you away from your wonderful counselor? Here's, here are my questions. Who are you learning from and what are they teaching you? What are you listening to? What are you feeding yourselves? Who's guiding you? Who are you following? John chapter 10 says something very interesting. John chapter 10, verses 27 and 28 says this. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. The question is, are you listening to his voice? Are you listening to your shepherd? Is it Jesus? Or are you into something else? Are you following him? Are you listening to him, his voice? I know some of you guys just may say, Pastor Richard, just leave me alone. Let me live my life. Let me just do whatever I'm doing. If we don't take his counsel, it doesn't benefit us. Then what is the point of Jesus being the wonderful counselor if we do not listen to our counselor? What's the point if we are not with him? Roman in the church... um, a lot of times we forget about our enemy. Did you notice what Jesus said in John chapter 10? He says, no one will snatch them out of my hand. I don't like to talk about Satan too much because I want to talk about Jesus more, right? But we forget that Satan is working really, really hard. Satan is working really hard to get your attention so that he can control what you listen to, what you feed yourself with. You see? He wants to snatch us. He wants to rob us. And here's a very interesting thing about robbing, okay? When we get robbed, 
well, we don't want to get robbed, but, but when the robbers come into our house, you know what they do? They take everything. You cannot say, uh, um, Mr. Robert, you can take my old TV, you can take my uh, ugly couch, but please don't take my new laptop. Right? Does that work? It doesn't. You know why? Because when the robber comes, the robbers will take your most valuable things. Not the things that you don't want, but the things that you want, the things that are important to you, the things that are valuable to you. And that's what Satan does. Satan wants to take all your valuables, all the important things to you. Satan works hard to get us away from the sound advice. He wants us away from our counselor. So Loma in the church, who's giving you advice? When we look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it seems that Isaiah understood what the people would need from the Messiah. This child who will be born is not just God, the king, the prince, the creator, but also a wonderful counselor. You see, God didn't want us to be lost. The original word for counselor, which was used here, is called yates, okay? Yates. Literally, it means to advise, to consult, or to give counsel. Isaiah says, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. He's not the angry counselor. He's not the, the gruff counselor or the disconnected counselor. He understands us. He understands our struggles because he's the one who came into this earth taking the hum, hu, human body in human nature and went through everything that you and I go through. And that counselor says, I understand everything that you go through. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. That's Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. You see what? Isaiah is doing here. We have fathers, right? We have fathers, but he's the everlasting father. We have, we have heard of gods, but he's the almighty God. We have princes, but he is the prince of peace. We have heard, we've had counselors, but he is the Wonderful counselor. Loma in the church, guess what? When I discovered this this week, I was blown away. Okay? I was blown away. Do you know what the Hebrew word for wonderful? Hebrew word for wonderful is? It's called Pela. Okay? But actually, this word Pela literally means, yes, wonderful, but also it means 
miracle. So the wonderful, the wonderful counselor means actually the miracle counselor. You see, the Bible is saying that our Jesus, the wonderful counselor, is not just a wonderful counselor, but he's a miracle-working counselor. When we go to him, we will be healed. When we go to him, our issues will be solved. When we go to him, he'll know how to deal with us and help us. That's kind of counselor we have in Jesus. When Jesus counsels you, it's supernaturally insightful. You can't get it from any other source. In fact, you shouldn't be making decisions without a guiding word from the miraculous counselor. then something we need to consider today is whether Jesus is your counselor. Can you call him your wonderful counselor? The Bible calls him the wonderful counselor, but personally in your life, can you call Jesus your wonderful counselor? Do you embrace his wisdom? Do you take his advice in your business, in your family, in your relationships, in your finances, in your future, in your all in all? Will you take his lovingly truthful and truthfully loving counsel? Or is he just marginalized in your life? Or is he just marginalizing? Is Jesus somebody that you, oh, I'm busy with my life, but when I have time here and there, I look at the Bible. When I have time here and there, I find for godly people. Is he marginalized in your life? If Jesus Christ is the wonderful counselor, and he is, most often his counsel is not going to come to you audibly. From the source. Not that I'm saying he doesn't speak to the people. He does. But more than ever, God uses people that surround us and he sends special people to us to speak his words. His wonderful counsel comes through his word, the Bible, and his people. So are you keeping regular appointments with your wonderful counselor? Are you following his instructions? Do you have godly people in your life? Do you? Do you invest in godly and spiritual community to keep you or keep yourself checked? Loma Linda Church, let's keep godly people in our lives. They are sent by God. And God always has used his people to communicate to his flocks all the time throughout the Bible. So remember to keep godly people in your life. Remember to keep your godly community in your lives. We're here to help each other and lift up one another. Let's keep the word of God in our hearts 
Let's listen to the advice from our wonderful counselor. Loma Linda Church, Jesus longs to minister in our lives and with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of struggles and time of trouble. My sincere prayer this morning is that you keep your ears open to the godly people in your life and the godly words in your hearts. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for our church, this spiritual community. Father, I pray that you use this community to guide us in our lives, to lead us in our lives. Father, if there's anyone who's struggling in this church, if anyone that's struggling in their lives, Father, I pray that you be present in their lives, bringing comfort and sympathy. If there's anyone who needs your counsel, Father, I pray that you help them to seek you and you open the door for them. Lord, in our lives, there's so much distraction that this world offers and Satan wants to rob us of you. So Lord, help us focus on you, help us to turn to you, help us to listen to you, and help us to follow you. Lead us and guide us, Father, because you are our wonderful counselor. In Jesus' name, amen. Infinite Father, faithfully loving. 